you have a copy of God's Word with you, I'd like for you to stand. But you find your place in the book of James. I'll be reading the first 11 verses, and after that, we'll pray. James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes who are dispersed abroad, greetings. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect work result, so that you may be perfect and complete and lacking in nothing. But if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith without any doubting, for the one who doubts is like a surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man unstable in all his way. But the brother of humble circumstances is to glory in his high position. And the rich man is to glory in his humiliation, because like flowering grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with a scorching wind and withers the grass, and its flower falls off, and the beauty of its appearance is destroyed. So too the rich man in the midst of all his pursuits will fade away. Let us pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your wonderful grace and mercy. And we pray, Lord, as we get into this book, that we would be willing to be changed by you and, Lord, uh, from you and for your glory, that you would help us to understand that we may see the heart of James to a people that are suffering great. So, Father, I pray that you would take over this vessel and preach through this vessel unto everyone in here, including me, that we may have ears to hear, eyes to see your beauty, and hearts ready to receive the engrafted Word of God. Help us, Lord, to be ready to apply these things unto us, Lord, unto us. In Jesus' precious name, amen. You may be seated. Today, we're actually going to get in verse 2, all the way through 11. Lord willing, we'll make it all the way through. The title for the ser uh, sermon today is going to be Trial by Faith. James, as we looked at last week, is that James was the half-brother of Jesus Christ, grew up with Jesus, and came to faith after the resurrection. James became a bondservant unto Jesus Christ, a bondservant unto his big brother, a bondservant, one purchased with a price. That's highly important that we understand that. If you're a lover of Jesus Christ, you have been purchased with a price and you're no longer your own. You belong to him. So everything that we do and say, we want to honor and glorify him. Him putting this in, God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, he is calling the Lord Jesus Christ, God Himself, the one of the same. And the twelve tribes who are dispersed abroad, greeting the twelve tribes of those who are suffering for the cause of Christ at this time. 
After we looked at, uh, in the book of Acts where Stephen was persecuted, or where Stephen was the first martyr, right? And uh, Saul picked up the, the role of persecuting the church. He's writing to those people that are suffering for the cause of Christ. He's writing to those people because they claim to be Christians, they're suffering for the cause of Christ. But he also goes on and opens it up for everyone that is suffering, not only for the cause of Christ, but just suffering in general. Today, I want you to know that we have a hope. We have a hope. It's not like the world uses today. We have a hope today. It's a certain expectation that a thing will happen. And who is that and what is that? That's Jesus Christ himself will collect his church. Amen? And that's the hope that we have, and that's the hope that we stand on. That's the foundation that we have that we're able to stand and keep our eyes focused, our eyes fixed upon the cross of Christ and the work that was done there. So we thank you for listening to these things. But the opening things that we have here is I want to bring in Philippians, like I told you last week, even Habakkuk. I want to bring these in because they're, they're all landing here in the text as well, right? I want you to understand that chapter 1 is a theme, and the rest of the James, the book of James, will unpack chapter 1 as well. But we're moving on in the sense of this is the God of glory, our big brother. You ever thought about that? Jesus Christ is our big brother. That should excite you. He's also our God. He's also our Savior. Right? He is our Lord. Right? And this book we know is for those that are of faith. It's for the believer. Right? It's for those that are weak in the faith. It's, it's for those that, uh, that are challenged that everything that is coming around them is bringing them down. Uh, they are suffering, uh, in so many different ways. They just come in broken and hurt. And we have a real room full of people just like that including myself, we're broken and we're hurt. Some of us are carrying a heavier load than others. Some of us are carrying the, the load of isolation because you've isolated yourself from the things of God. That's a reaction that is not good and not healthy. One thing James is going to put out here for us is we, we need to understand that we need one another. You cannot live a Christian life by yourself. You cannot do without your brothers and sisters knowing the battles that you go through that we can pray for you. Because if you try to do it by yourself, you will lose heart. You will lose uh, everything in the sense that there's, there's, I have no hope. Your hope has been taken away. If you belong to Christ, He will recover you. Amen? He will not let you perish away from him. That's good news, but it also gives us uh, discomfort. If I don't know this God, this will be flushed out as well. So I was just kind of thinking about going into this, thinking about being a lover of Jesus Christ. Is that what we learn in Philippians? It says this, have this attitude in yourself as also in Christ Jesus. Now, the question that lays to us, the first uh, point that I have here, attitudes in trials. Then we'll have the advantages of trials, and then we'll have the assistance of God himself in our trials. 
the first thing that comes to mind is when we went through Philippians, how much of that am I wearing today? How much of that am I actually putting into practice of what we have learned out of Philippians, Habakkuk, and all the other books that we have come to today? So when you get in a trial, how's your attitude with it? Because that's a check for all of us to look at. If you get in the flesh, it's bitterness, cussing, cursing, and everything else, which doesn't honor God, and He's not going to let you get away with that. But when you come to this, I want you to listen to, to, to this, right? James, the bond servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes who are dispersed abroad, greetings, meanings rejoice, and then consider it all joy. Now, consider it all joy. Are you kidding me? Now, think about it for a minute, because the flesh is going to come up right here. Are you kidding me? You're just telling me to put on a happy face? You're telling me to ignore my feelings? Count it all joy? How in the world can a person count it all joy? It's to quit looking vertical, but look horizontal, uh, uh, vertical, not horizontal. Amen. (laughs) I come out here in a minute. I've always got that backwards. But anyway, the point is, is that when somebody's lost somebody, somebody lost their, a member of the family, do you approach them with this? Consider it all joy. Were the people that you know that are suffering because of the cause of Christ, would you go up to them and say, well, consider it all joy? Now, I want you to know there's 54 uh, commands, imperatives in the book of James, and we are on the first one, consider. Now, that consider means to to count, to esteem, to govern, to have a rule over. See that? A rule over your emotions. He's not saying drop off your emotions, but what he is saying, what is your attitude going in? Are you looking at why, why, why instead of what, what, what? Why is this happening? Why is this happening? It could be because of sin. It could be because of somebody else's sin that it's affecting you because your sin affects everybody else. Don't think that somebody else's sin doesn't affect you. And it could be just because what it says here, when you encounter, meaning fall into sin, trials this is. We don't fall into sin, we do it. But we are going to encounter trials. We are going to encounter being accused of things we didn't do. We're going to encounter being attacked in so many different ways. But we are to have a higher view than that. We We have a God, as we have sang about a moment ago, we have a God that's going to walk through with us through the trial. Amen? That's good news because it's very hard and some of you are suffering really, really hard right now but you're going to suffer more if you don't look up. Fixing your eyes upon Christ, it'll never go away. We must be dependent upon this God. And he says, as a command, as of the first words, the first imperative of the New Testament, right? Consider it in all joy. Not some of it, but consider it all joy. 
How do you do that? By having a proper view of God Himself, knowing that He says in this world you're going to have many trials, many attacks in many different ways, but be of good courage, I have overcome the world. Hey, that's exciting. That's our God. And he's saying that to us. And don't forget that James is a letter addressed to me and you. That's important. That we look and see that God wrote me a letter. Now open it up and read it. Apply it. Hear it. Wear it. Consider it all joy that God of glory is conforming me into the image of His Son. We could camp right there. I'm not, but just, just think about the, the pure encouragement that James is writing to the one that is suffering today, the one sitting in the pew today that is just so distraught it seems like there's no, no future ahead except doom. Maybe you don't know the Lord at all, but maybe you do. You just got your eyes focused on the wrong thing. Maybe you got your eyes focused on the why. Why is this happening? Instead of, what is this teaching me? What is this teaching me should be what we want now. Maybe you've lost your job. Maybe you, you, you've uh, suffered from the family uh, 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 accusation. Maybe there's all kind of things that you could put in there that hurt your feelings, that make your feelings heavy. Where you don't even want to come in and worship God in all His splendor. But that's when it gets wrong. That's when we need to refocus and hear the Word of God that is written to us to count it all in this particular situation, all means all, in the face of trials, in the face of many things that's going to attack us even as we leave here today to steal your joy. Don't give it away. It doesn't mean that we don't have hard times. It doesn't mean we just put on a little happy face and say, yeah, everything's good. No, we don't do that. It hurts. It's real. It's bogging you down. But where can you go but to the Lord? He's going to pull you out of that. He's going to walk with you in that. This is why we start off when Matthew chapter 5, of Brother Kurt uh, read the, the beginning of the Sermon of the Mount there. Blessed are you. Blessed are you. Blessed are you. In the hardest of times, you are a blessed human being. Why? If God has done a work in you, nobody can steal that joy, but you can give it away. So don't give it away. Don't give over to it. Deal with it. It hurts. It doesn't go away just because you say you want it to go away. But we have a God that cares enough to walk with us. That's, that's huge. We need to wear that. If God be for you, who could be against you? We know the answer to that. No one. But do we wear it? It's easy to say I'm a Christian when everything is going smooth. It's easy to claim that. 
It's harder to claim that when everything is going wrong, whether it be because of you or whether it's just God trying to teach you something. Hey, if you like trials, you like feeling this way, just stay there. Nobody likes feeling this way. Nobody likes trials. The only way that you learn out of trials is that you look upon the Lord God and say, Lord, what are you teaching me? Now, he, he's going to the people that have suffered everything. They lost everything. They've been, everything is different to them today in the context of the Scripture that we have today. Everything's different. They have to learn a whole new way of everything. And he writes them, consider it all joy. Now, that may... You may get mad to receive a letter like that when you're in the middle of a major pain, whether it be physical or spiritual. Right? You, you may even... Be against that. Why? Because that's just insulting. Well, then that's where you need to repent from. Because this life is terrible. We're just passing through this life. And we're going on to glory. And if we believe that, we need to act like that. But Satan wants, man, he, he wants us to look at our troubles. Not the who, but the why. He wants us to focus on that. He wants you to retaliate on that. He wants you to do this. He wants you to do that. And you must say no. Because God of glory has overcome it all. And he's the one that we go to. It's easy to pray for somebody that loves you. It's hard to pray for somebody that is being despitefully mean and hateful to you. And what kind of prayers do you actually pray? See, this is where James is going to help us in so many different ways. Because he calls us my brethren, those that are believers in Jesus Christ. Troubles are coming. I know you're in the, I know you walked in carrying a heavy weight this very day, but I'm here to tell you, count it all joy. Keep your minds and your hearts, your eyes and everything fixed upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And if we do that, we're going to learn a lot. Various trials, like I said a minute ago, all kind of different shapes, forms, and fashion, what that is. The joy springs up in knowing God. Not about Him, but knowing Him personally. The God of glory dwells in us. Be encouraged. And nobody could take that away. And the only way that they could take it away is you give it away. And again, it's back to us. It's coming. How are you going to receive it? It's waiting for you tomorrow. How are you going to receive it? Are you going to count it all joy? Or are you going to get in there and do exactly what the Bible says? Fight, fuss, cuss, kick up a storm, kick up the dust, matter than you know what, and it'll profit you nothing. And it disgraces the God of glory because we get in the flesh versus respond. It doesn't mean our emotions are not there. They're, they are there. And you just need to repent of the things that come up right offhand when we look at what is our attitude going into this. We need to be attitudes in order to have the right attitude to go into James. Amen? You need to be the attitudes. And if we're there, we suffer. We suffer. Isn't God good? that he would test us, and in a way, we'll clear that up next week, that he would let us go through a testing. Let me use it that way. 
that he would allow us to go through trials to conform us into the image of his son. Now, if we have that focus, you're almost saying, well, Lord, give me some trials because I want to be conformed to the image of your son. You're almost there at the same time. You want to pray for patience, but I don't really want to go through what it gets to get to patience. You catch that? I want patience, but I, I just want the word. Can I have all of it here and not have to go through what it means to be patient? Enduring. Pressing. Pressing on through the wind. This joy, unspeakable joy. Do you have it in the hardest of times? In the hardest of times when a member of your family dies. In the hardest of times when your spouse walks out on you. In the hardest of times when you don't have any money to pay the bills and you're doing all that you can. Do you have this joy? This is the joy we must cling to and deal with the hardship of this world. Not throw it away. Adhere to it. First Peter tells us this. It is in you, it is this, you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. Listen, so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which perishes though tested by fire, may be found to the result in the praise and glory and the honor and the revelation of Jesus Christ. Do you hear, get all that? If you don't, write it down as 1 Peter chapter 1, 6 through 7. Jesus is our God, and he has proven us through the fiery trials of life. We went through from Philippians, Philippians to Habakkuk, and I want to read something in Habakkuk. I'm not going to sit up here and read the whole time, but I want you to remember what we've been taught because that's the biggest challenge, because I'm asking myself, when, when we went through Philippians, did I get everything? Did I put everything into practice, or was I just merely just hearing it? So that's why we always say when we get done with the book, we need to go back and do it again, and back and do it again, because I'm missing some in there. But even in the back in there, think about this. Remember, uh, Pastor Chris preached this. Now listen, back in chapter seven, uh, 3, verse 17 through 18. Listen, though the fig tree should not blossom, and there be no fruit on the vines, though the yield of the olive shall fail, and the fields produce food, though the flock should be cut off from the fold, and there be no cattle in the stalls, yet I will exalt in the Lord, will rejoice in the God of my salvation. That's our flag, amen? That's the flag we wave is that the God of our salvation is for us. Not why. Why? Man, it's so easy to get there. We poke at that, may even make fun of that, but I tell you, it's, it's so easy to get there when we get our eyes off of Christ. He really is for us. He really is the one that's going to walk us through the troubles of this life. That only comes by knowing him. Being one of the brethren that this letter has been addressed to. See, without the, 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 the trials and the, and the 
um, trials of life and all the arrows and the, everything else that's flying at you without the trying of your character, you really don't know what your character is about. You see that? In other words, you don't know if I'm a man of faith until I endure some trials and prove myself to be a man of faith, not because of my good or anybody else's good, but only his. And that has to happen to prove who you are. What do people say about you right now? Are you a lover of Jesus Christ? Do they say that? Well, don't let your head swell because the part is, is that it's all God that gets all the glory to that. But do they recognize you? Oh, you're a Christian. Or he's a Christian or she's a Christian. Not in word only, but by the testing of the faith and the proven character of what God has done in us. Verse 3 says, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete and lacking nothing. Did you hear that? Another command, our next command that we have in the first letters written in the New Testament, so it's the commandment number two, and is, and let. An imperative right here, and let. It's not saying, it's not a suggestion to us. It says, and let. Imperative form, active imperative means put it, put it on. Hear it. Let it be. Amen? This is what it's saying. This is what it's telling us. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And if you were a weightlifter, you know the process of resistance, right? And when you push weights, you, you get that resistance built up. When you go through trials, you get that resistance built up, right? So that's the testing that's important that we may prove our character, who we are. And we see that in Romans uh, 5, uh, 2 to 5. I'm not going to read all that, but it talks about the proven character. God has proven our character, who we are. Are you a Christian in name only? Then you'll not have any joy. Are you a, a weak brother and sister in Christ? We can all say yes to that. But we're all on a different level. This is why we need one another, right, to come alongside one another. Right? To come alongside to encourage one another in the walk that we have set before us. This is good. Knowing this God, knowing that the testing of your faith, knowing meaning understanding, right? Carries a, a full understanding, right? A personal experience, knowing if I want to lift 200 pounds, I'm going to have to work to get there. And it's going to take time to get there. If I want to be a man or a woman of faith, I'm going to have to work my spiritual muscles to get to this point right here. And when we get there, we're going home. Amen? We're going on to be with the one who saved us. We have the advantages here. It produces endurance. So last year, the same trials that you may get this year, you're able to handle the trials from, that you endured last year that you messed up royally got all all in the flesh you would ju you just messed that trial up you didn't uh, learn anything except how dumb you could be and let your mouth overrun your uh, uh run by your emotions we learn from that we learn don't do that no more we learn by enduring that and what we caused in the suffering around that that then enduring the strengthening that don't do that anymore 
We are to be Christians and respond to things and not to react to things. Don't you, don't you see the heart of James right here? The heart of James is saying, stay the course. Stay the course. We're praying for you. No, we really are praying for you. We're not praying about you. We're praying for you. Stay the course. Stay in there. The God of glory is the prize. The God of glory is our prize. Stay in there. Fight the good fight. And this hope does not disappoint. Praise the Lord for that. The testing means for us to be examined. We see in Corinthians 13, 5, says, test yourselves. See, if you be in the faith, examine yourselves, or do you not recognize this about yourself, that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you fail the test? Oh, my. You didn't lose the salvation, just prove it never had it. This is the power of God, and this is what he does is to, to help us to prove, to examine, to uh, verify. I mean, if you've got a, a rock here full of, that's gold, and, and somebody's going to have to go test it to make sure that it's got gold in it. And that's the ideal behind that. You're going to have to test the thing that you call gold. Just because you call it gold doesn't make it gold, right? It just doesn't do it that way. Somebody's going to have to test it. And we are going to have to give to God that he may help us see ourselves in this endurance, impatience, patience. After all these things that fall upon us, do you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance? Do you believe that? Because we can read all kinds of scripture and that's all we do. But we, we have to believe that the knowing, knowing that the testing of my faith produces endurance, uh, uh, patience, and it produces that. Then we hear the imperative here and let endurance have its perfect work. Perfect result is what? Maturity. That we are mature Christians. 20 years ago, if you saw me walking across the street and you came back today and knowing what I looked like then, and you came back today and I looked exactly like that guy that day, 20 years ago, you know something's wrong. Something's wrong. A tree that doesn't grow is cut down and cast in the fire. But he's talking to the brethren. He's talking to people that have lost their way in the sense of looking unto at the problem versus looking to one that has overcome it all. Looking unto him and growing in this endurance. It has an idea, again, like I said earlier, is that it's pressing up for a strong wind is pushing against you. This world is pushing against you, and you're leaning into it, and you're marching forward. You're not sitting still, and you're not backing up. Why? Because you're looking at the King of glory, and he gives you strength to press on toward the mark. Amen? We see God is the reason why we do what we do. God is the reason why we suffered the things that we suffered because God did not love you. He let you be Esau. Go be Esau. But because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts, he loves us, gives us the ability to love him. And what do we want more than anything? It's to honor him with our life that we may be perfect, complete, lacking nothing. And when that's 100% complete, we are not here. Amen? We're gone on to glory. We're receiving the prize that is set out before us. We're not here, but we are growing. We're seasoned 
being seasoned by the working of patience, problems, and all these things that are set before us at this time. Isn't God merciful? But you, did you want it any other way? How does God let you know that he loves you? How does God let you know that you are in the center of his will? That's a good question, isn't it? If you have joy in him, no matter the circumstances. You see the written word of God, you believe the written word of God, and whether you believe it or not, it's, it's the authority, right? And we see that God's doing a work in me and continues to train me up the way that I should go. Do you love the Lord Christ? I didn't ask you if he's a Christian. Everybody's a Christian these days. Are you a lover of Jesus Christ? Man, isn't that sweet? Isn't that large? That's out of our reach. Praise the Lord for that. But it's the reality of that Romans 5, 5 that I speak highly of, right? And that uh, that's a reality in our life that we love God and we love the brethren and the sistern and the family. Amen? The big toe doesn't hate the eardrum or the lung doesn't hate the shoulder or whatever you want to put it there. We're part of a family. Now, they do act up, but we don't quit. Quit's not in our vocabulary anymore. When trials come, we have a band of brothers or band of sisters or both that we come together, we pray through it. We should be a praying church. We are a praying church, and we pray to the God of glory. He, he even brings this to our attention. But before I go over there, I want you to understand this, right? Romans 2, 7, to those who by perseverance in doing good, seeking glory, honor, immortality, he will give eternal life. The evidence that you have eternal life is the words right before that, perseverance, seeking to honor to glorify God, right? What is it that you want more than anything today? I want to know the book of James. I want to live the book of James. I want to hear from God. Is that you? And if we do, are we willing? Are we willing to hear from God this very day? Say, Lord, you're right. I focus more on my problems than I do you. Help me not to do that. Help me to get my fixation on you. Help me to focus on all that you have done for me, changing everything. But Lord, help me to see what I need, and I need more of you. Now, I want to give you a verse that is most of the time is not quoted all the way. This is 1 Corinthians 10, 13. I'm going to read this, and I'm going to leave off the part for just a second and give it to you. If 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says this, No temptation has overtaken you, but so as it is common to man. Now, God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond where you're able, but with the temptation provide a way of escape. And normally, we stop right there. We're not going to escape our feelings. We're not going to escape the things that come up that makes us our hurt feelings or whatever it is. We are, aren't you glad you could be happy? You wouldn't want somebody to take that from you. You wouldn't want to escape from that. 
But listen, listen what it does say. It goes on to say this that we never quote. When I hear it quoted, I never hear that last end of it. It says, so that you will be able to endure it. We don't get to escape out of the trouble. We want that. We pray for that. Lord, take it away from me. And what did he tell Paul? No, my grace is sufficient for you. Are we ready to hear that? My grace is sufficient. Is it sufficient for you and me? Is it? But we will be able to endure. And where else can we go but to the Lord? Now, this is going to address our prayer life. We look at the assistance for our trials. Verse 5. But if any one of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given him. Wisdom means skill to deal with the issue that is at hand for you. If anyone lacks skill, wisdom, the next imperative that we have, let him ask of God. Let him ask of God. Who else can you go to? And there's where we get in trouble. We go to everything else, and after we done destroyed everything and made it more of a mess than it possibly could be, right, then we go to God. Guilty right here. But God of grace is upon us when we see that where can you go to but to the Lord? Now, here, here's the thing, too, that if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear from me. It doesn't mean that he grows deaf, right? Are you asking upon your lust? He ain't going to hear from that either. What is it that is your driving force today? It should be a couple of words, to do the will of God. Isn't that what we want? To be that living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God? Isn't that what we want? Well, we want that until it comes. Guilty. Lord, take it away from me. No, no. What am I being taught? And do we have a teachable spirit? What, am I, what is the Lord teaching me? He's teaching me that I should come to Him. He's teaching me that I should trust in Him and Him alone. He commands me to do so as well. Isn't that great? But we are to, if you lack wisdom about your situation, spend time in prayer. But not just to get an answer. You won't do it that way. You don't need to name and claim it. That's just heresy of the, the cults that we have out there. You are to, to pray unto this God and believe in by faith that it happened. Now, how do you do that? Well, you don't trust in the problem. You trust in the one that can solve the problem or give you the ability to do so. Who do you go to? Well, you don't go to the problem or the one that caused the problem. You know, there's room for uh, repentance in there for sure. But the thing is, is that our solution is not here. Our solution is here. And that's God through his word in prayer. Prayer, right? We talk a lot about it. We do little of it. And I'm guilty. We talk a lot. We want to be a house of prayer. Well, praise the Lord. So does everybody. Where is everybody? When it comes time to pray, I'm not giving you a hard time about that. Everybody has their reasons. 
But the point is, is, is that the prayer is where it comes out of. Personal prayer with you and God himself. Amen? The God of glory is the one that will hear you, and he won't beat you up like you would somebody else that's come to you over and over and over again. Is it you again? God's not going to do that because we're his children. But you might. Somebody keeps wanting to come and borrow something from you and have you let them borrow something. They broke it. Then they want to borrow something else, and you're like, no. No. Is it you again? No. Don't ask me for any more favors. Guilty? Aren't you glad God doesn't have to wait that way? He says, come to me. Come to me. Come to him. Ask of God. Ask of God to give you understanding that you may be taught by him. Taught the skill to understand how you should respond in these difficult times. Isn't that good? He'll never kick us out. Let me tell you about Matthew. Matthew 7 says this, Ask and it will be given. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be opened unto you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or what person is among you when he asks, his son asks him for a loaf of bread, give him a stone. Or if he asks for fish, he gives him a snake. So if you, despite being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give you things that you ask him of? Isn't that good? God is not going to be despiteful to us. He's going to help us. And we need to point these things out by the power of God. He must ask in faith without doubting. How do you ask in faith without doubting? Well, number one, you have to be a born-again child of God. Number two, you, don't, you believe that God is able to do whatever it is he's going to do about this situation and you be satisfied with it. That's, that's easy when it's just mere words. But God, you see this problem before me. Lord, I don't understand it. I want to be taught whatever it is by it. Lord, help me to trust in you and not the problem. And Lord, help me to have eyes to see. But if we pray this way, the other opposite of that prayer, Lord, take this from me. I just want you to get this gone. That way I could go live my life just exactly how I want to live it not believing, not trusting in him or anything else. And he gives us the description of what it looks like. He tells us, if, if anyone doubts, he is like a surf of the sea, driven and tossed and, uh, by the wind. For that man ought not, that's our fifth uh, 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 imperative, that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. You see that? That's a, that's a whole mouthful of things here, but the the... The theme to that is that you got to be able to believe that God is teaching you. Now, are you praying for the problem to go away, or are you praying to be taught by what God is teaching you through the problem? Do you believe that God in the toughest of times is holding on to you? 
because that's where that faith and single-mindedness comes in. He's holding on to us. He's holding on to us. Aren't you glad you're not holding on to Him? Because you done left Him over in verse 1. And that's when we focus on our problems. Being a double-minded man, I tell you, we, uh, well, just go back up to 7. We ought not expect anything from the Lord if we don't believe God. Now, you have two applications here. You have one that is a born-again child of God and weak and asking for the wrong things. You notice that God always answers prayer. It just may not be what you thought it should be. But you're learning even that. This God is constantly teaching us what we need to see, what we need to understand, and not to be, well, the world says it should look like this, and let me run off and try to do it the world's way. Or I was brought up this way, so that gives me a reason to be this way and be doubtful and everything else. I know not the Lord. But when we see the true character of the true believer, we see that he goes to God for assistance in every problem that he has. Amen? Every problem. Now, we classify the little and big. And it's not a big operation until it's your operation. Then it's big. It's big to you. And we don't have little sin. They're all big. But this man ought not to expect anything from him. Just, he's all over the place. He's not hearing from God. He's not seeking God, right? Uh, he's trying to find out wisdom, how to get out of this problem versus what God is teaching him. He's all over the place, and he's just self-centered, self-seeking in the whole process of this. That man ought not to expect to hear anything from God. Well, I'm praying, and he's telling me to do this, which is sinful. Then he's not telling you to do that. Amen? The, your answer must line up with the Word of God. I've heard it over and over and again that, well, we prayed, and so it must be right. We must do this right here. Well, that's not what the Bible says. That means you're making it fit you instead of you being fitted by God. That's good, isn't it? Praise the Lord for that. So we had... The attitudes and trials, the advantages of trials and what? For endurance, to grow, to mature. We see the assistance here. And then we go on to verse 9 through 11. It says, but the brother of humble circumstances is to glory in his high position. Look on. And the rich man is to glory in his humiliation because like the flowering grass, he will pass away. Now, verse 1. And his sisters, who are we talking to? Now, what he's talking to is the people lost everything. Physically, uh, spiritually suffering for the cause of Christ. They don't have any money. They don't have a place to stay. Now, you can think about the people that you passed throughout the week that you look and look down your nose at them. And you may not put verbally out there like that, but you may inside say, oh, look at them. They're just mooching off the system, whatever word you want to put there. Don't give them any money. You got to have some sense there, wisdom, skill. But the poor brother, the brother in Christ who is suffering, should glory in his high position. 
the one that the world will see is at the bottom of everything. He shall glory in his high position of the king of glory. Amen? That he belongs to the Lord and he shall glory in that. Now, if we got our focus here, we would have a whole lot less of this over here. We'd be able to praise God, worship God in every and any circumstances that we have. But when we take it personal, which is hard not to. I'm not saying don't take it personal. But what you do with it after that is the problem. So we see the power of God. The humble, poor man should glory in his high position that he has with God. And the rich man shall glory in his humiliation, just the opposite, right? He should glory in his humiliation, in his humbleness, right? Not focusing on his money, but focusing on he's humble even though he has money. His whole life is not captivated by money, 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 even though he has it. But that's not what he's captivated, he's captivated by. He's captivated by God would save him even though he has money. And the poor man, would, God would save him even though he doesn't have anything. Both men bring the same sin to the cross. Both men will be damned forever if they don't repent and put their faith in Christ. He is to glory, the sixth imperative in this passage. He is to glory. He is to do that. This is what we are. This is what we are to do. All the imperatives that I've given you are what we are to apply to our lives and actually do and learn how to do it with great joy. Not just a happy face, but with great joy. Isn't that good that we have a God that would reach out and tell us to tell us these things. Now look at verse 7. All those, now you think about all the striving, all the effort that you put toward making money this week. But all the effort that you've done, now you've got to make money, I get that, I understand that. How much effort did you put in studying God's Word? How much effort did you put in applying these things to us? That's when it gets out of balance, out of balance. Is that, okay, well, I got more of the world in my life than I do the things of God. And I used to say this when, and I've said it before, uh, you know, when it, you get a, a person that has a drug addiction, whether it be alcohol, whatever it may, pot, whatever it is, right, whatever that addiction is, they will break their neck to get that drug. And you know it, if you ever experienced that, uh, uh, by the grace of God, he pulled me out of some of that stuff, right? And still pulling me out of other things that I haven't matured in yet. But the thing about it is, look how hard the man went after that to satisfy his fleshly need of drug, alcohol, whatever that picture is for you. Look how hard he did it. How much more? How much more should our zeal be after the king of glory? How much more, no matter what this, uh, this body endures, how much more we should be being captivated by this God? The rich man, he will glory in his humiliation because they're like a flowering grass. He will pass away. And it goes on, verse 11. Then the sun rises with the scorching wind, and it withers in the grass, and the flower fell, falls off. And the beauty of his appearance is destroyed. So too the rich man, 
in the midst of his pursuits will fade away. At the end of all this, you die and somebody else gets your stuff. Was it worth it? Luke tells us, tells about a rich man. Let me read this and we'll close. In Luke 12, 5 through 21, and I will say to my soul, soul, you have many good things laid up for you many years to come. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your soul will be required of you, and you now will own what you have uh, prepared. So is the man who stores up treasure for himself is not rich toward God at all. Amen? How hard are you seeking after the things of God? How hard are you seeking after this treasure? Brothers and sisters, I ask you today, help us, help one another, pray for one another, that we may learn much out of our attitudes of trials, that the advantages of trials to be strengthened by God and the assistance of trials that we have the one that we can go to. May this be us, and may your want to be higher today than it ever has been before. Jeremiah says, Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom, and let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast of his riches, but let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who exercises loving kindness, justice, righteousness on earth, for I delight in these things, declares the Lord. And we are to glory in God. Speak much of Him. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we thank You, Lord, that we are able to admit, Lord, we just don't know all the things that we think we know. But we pray, Lord, as You have pointed these things out to us over and over again, that we would have a right attitude Lord, coming into the trials that are waiting for us this afternoon, maybe in the morning, that we'd come with the right attitude, what are you teaching us, Lord? Lord, that we would keep our eyes focused upon you and you alone, and that we'd take uh, the, the advantages of the trial that we may be strengthened and, and gain wisdom on how to respond and not react. And Lord, without you, we could do nothing that this all of these things would keep us at your feet. Call it upon your name, for without you we could do absolutely nothing but sin. But with you, Lord, we may endure. Help us, Lord, to see our need of you more today than we ever have before. For the glory of the Lamb, we pray these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.